We're going to study God's Word a little bit, and we're going to do what we call a little pre-encounter, because this week, on Friday and Saturday, is our encounter weekend. We do this twice a year. And uh, you may not be attending encounter, and that's cool. I know many of you have attended in the past. Uh, Some of you don't know about it. Some of you may be considering it, and and there'll be other times it'll come in the future. So I, I would liken this to a movie trailer. You know how when you go to the movies, they'll show you all these little trailers, of, and they do that to solicit your interest. And so I would, I would liken this moment tonight to like a movie trailer. I, I know I'm not nearly as fun to watch as a movie trailer, but just think, think of it in those terms. And, uh, and we're still going to study the Word, and, and you're going to go out of here, and you're going to still get some things downloaded from God into your system as I'm preparing those who are here tonight and will be here this weekend. So we call this... Uh, pre-encounter. And what we do is, with regards to Encounter Weekend, is we take just this moment and we try to prepare people for what will be happening through that weekend. Because I have learned through the years, and I don't know how many encounters we've done now, we started in 2005 and we were doing at least four, five, six encounters per, per gender group, which were two gender groups, male and female. I don't think they found a third one yet. Um, you never know, though, but... Um, so like that first year, we did like 12 encounters. I mean, and, and so it was like that those first few years. So we probably got 40 or 50 of these things under our belt by now. And, um, and then, of course, we don't do as many of them now uh, because there aren't uh, necessarily as many that would have to go through. Although I think there are like 48 folk that are going through this encounter. And I was looking at the list, and there are, are numbers of new folk that have never gone through. And we are excited about you being there, and you're going to be touched in an amazing way. But our purpose tonight is that sometimes, you know, the enemy is not fair. You ever notice the enemy whispers in your ear? And sometimes you'll put anxiety or fear or speculation, and, and, and you'll say, well, what's this? All? I hear a lot of people talking about this, but what is this all about? So we're going to help prepare somewhat for that night and at the same time uh, put some things uh, into your spirit by way of Bible study that you can take with you. In Exodus 34, I want to mention a passage. I'm going to read a few verses here. Exodus 34, it has to deal with Moses when he came in contact with the presence of God. Moses encountered God. It says, now, it was so that when Moses came down from Sinai, and of course that's when, it, when he brought the two tablets of the testimony or the law, you'll recall that's where he, he encountered God at Sinai, that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone when he talked with him. So after he got out of the presence of God, he was literally, he was glowing in the dark. If you ever wondered, is there, has there ever been a human being glow in the dark? Moses. There was this, there was this glow, the Shekinah. The kabod in Hebrew was just, was just emanating from him. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I remember when I was saved and I got up from that altar, there was a, there was a, a saint, a, 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 it was an older woman, saint of God, that looked at me and she said, Kevin, your countenance is different. It's because I encountered God. You can't encounter God and walk away the same person. You, it, just, it just isn't possible. But it says here that his face shone when he talked with him, and Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, the skin of his face shone in verse 30, and they were afraid to come near him. Moses called to them. Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned to him. Moses talked with them. 
Verse 32, afterward, all the children of Israel came near, gave them as commandments all the Lord had spoken with them on Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. So this is the portion of scripture that we read that Moses literally, in order not to put fear into the people's hearts, he veiled his face. I don't know how it worked. I don't know if he had one of those Mideastern kind of wraps, you know, the burqa. It may have looked like that, you know. I don't know if there was this little, you know, curtain rod there. And it just, you know, kind of, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how it worked. But there was a veil. I do know that. Because, because they could not look upon his face without being encountered by the very Shekinah of God. I want to use this passage and leap off this in order to begin to explain to you what we hope to accomplish in what we call our Encounter Weekend. Now, Encounter Weekend is our, is our uh for lack of a better term, our, our program or our, our method or our process of leading people to the place of inner healing, wholeness, and at times deliverance, ministry. We do it twice a year now. Some people have said, well, why not once a month? I, I, I have folks come to me all the time because a lot of times when you find out that you need healing or wholeness, or if you find out that maybe you're under demonic oppression, a lot of people get really worked up and say, I want to, I, I need this out of me now. And oftentimes I'll look and say, well, you've lived with it for 40 years now. You know, a couple of weeks isn't going it, to, it isn't going to hurt you that much. Uh, so we, we don't do this once a month. We do it a couple times a year. And one of the reasons, serious reasons though, is that, you know what, soaking, you come to church like on Sunday or Wednesday and you soak under the worship, you soak under the word. And, you know, sometimes you need some time with the word and, and worship and, and things, things begin to dissolve. It's like, it's like when you soak clothes and you're trying to get stains out of those clothes or, or, or that, that, that ground-in dirt and things. And you soak things. And why do you do it? Because it makes it easier to clean. I think sometimes letting people soak for a season, even in the house of God, causes these moments even to be more powerful and impactful. Um, and, and so we do them twice a year and, um, all through scripture, we find people though, who encounter God. And when you encounter God, you are radically changed and you are transformed. I can't transform you. In fact, I'll go so far as to say this, even preaching, as much as I think preaching and teaching is important and we'll get back to this, but teaching in and of itself can't transform you. Teaching Teaching, as it unveils to you the presence of God, can change you. Because it is He who does the transforming. And, and so all these things are important. I'm not minimizing the importance of these things. I'm simply saying is that transformation happens when we come in contact somehow, some way, with God. Now, there's all sorts of illustrations in Scripture. As you will recall, Jacob. Jacob, we will talk about at, at encounter. So I won't spend much time with Jacob, but he needed to be encountered. And the Bible says that he did. He wrestled with the angel of the Lord. And after wrestling with the angel of the Lord, his name literally changed from Jacob, which meant usurper or deceiver. It was changed to Israel, which means prince of nations. He had a name change. And what that represents is, is that when you come in contact with God, he changes all sorts of things about you. And this is one of the things Encounter does. Some people come to Encounter and they've been named rejected. And they'll come out of Encounter and they'll get a new name. 
accepted. Are you following me? There are some people who come to encounter, they've been labeled loser. At the end of Saturday, they'll walk out of encounter and they'll be named winner. See, we all need name changes, don't we? How do you get a name change like that? How do you change how people, how people look at you and how you look at yourself? Well, you have to encounter God. Moses had a burning bush experience. Gideon, who said of himself that he was the weakest among his clan in Manasseh. And uh, when the angel of the Lord shows up and he says, O mighty man of valor, and, and Gideon goes, who are you talking to? What changed a Gideon from who you're talking to to a guy that would lead an army against overwhelming odds? He encountered God. Isaiah had a temple experience. He was in the temple and he sees the Lord high and lifted up. And at that moment, a coal comes off the altar, touches his lips, his sin is expiated, the scripture says. And then he hears a conversation in the Godhead that literally turns him into a missionary. How does these things happen? They encounter God. Christians ask today, why isn't my life working? I thought when I accepted Jesus, everything was supposed to be smooth sailing. And you know what? It doesn't seem like I'm living much better than anyone else. Why isn't my life working? I received him. You know, I went to the front. I, I prayed the prayer you told me to pray. But to be candid with you, Pastor, there's not a distinguishable difference in my life and in that, that, that person I work with or my friend or a family member. I look at their life and my life, and we're both messed up. What's the deal here? Can I just give you two reasons, two reasons that people's lives don't work right? Number one is it's ignorance to his word. Sometimes we just don't know what's available to us. And so we're just, we're just and I don't mean this to be disrespectful, we're just dumb. I was dumb. I've been dumb for years. I'm still dumb. And then secondly, we've never encountered him experientially. People fall usually into two errors. These errors are, is, is you can go to a church, and some churches... Are, are really word heavy. Nothing wrong with that. Now, don't don't take this as as a problem, but but it's an error of sorts because if you're if you're too word heavy, then then although as good as it is to be in the word consistently, can I just share this and and, and receive this? I'm not developing a relationship with the book. I'm developing a relationship with the Lord. The book helps me develop my relationship with the Lord, which is why the book is so important. I believe it to be inerrant. It's my authority. I believe it is accurate and faithful in everything that it touches. So I am orthodox to the bone. But this is not where my relationship is. My relationship's with him. The book helps me. And that's why I need to hear teaching and I need to hear preaching. And I need to study God's word. So, so these things are important. But what happens is, is if that's all there is to it, then... then you're just developing the relationship with the book. But the second really error is, is that sometimes, especially in our circles, we're a little experience heavy. People just always about the experience. And what happens is, is, is while that's good and there are experiences, and I want you to experience God's presence in amazing ways, but what happens for some people is, is that it's all about the next feeling. And they find their victory with the next feeling. Now listen, encounter is both word and experience. 
We're going to teach you some. And we're going to provide moments where you can encounter God. And you see, if you hear from God's word and you see the direction he gives and then opportunity is available for you to step into that in order to experience the reality of what has been written, you have, you have the solid foundation of the word plus the impactful moment of this encounter with God. And all of a sudden, you become a transformed believer. Now, why is that important? If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians, the third chapter. 2 Corinthians 3, beginning with verse 16. Now, it's interesting because Paul writes this second letter to Corinthians. And the first text that I read to you out of the book of Exodus concerning the veil that Moses would put over his face was such a notable story with regards to the presence of God that Paul will pick up on this and he will begin to write some more things with regards to that incident that took place in Moses' life. In 2 Corinthians 3, uh, really we could, we could probably press up to uh, uh, verse, let's say 13. So I'll move up three verses and we'll start in verse 13. He, he's talking about uh, uh, the ministry of righteousness. He's talking about how much better the new covenant is. He's talking about how, how even as there was glory under an old covenant, but now that God has been revealed through Jesus, that there's even greater glory available for us. And then he begins to pick up on the story in verse 13. And he says, unlike Moses, that's what he says, unlike Moses who put a veil over his face, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. And, and what he's mentioning here is, is that Moses, and, and you know, Moses was a wonderful man, a great guy, and God used him, but as the glory of God faded from his life, and as that Shekinah glory no longer came off his face, what happened was Moses, instead of acknowledging that the presence of God had lifted or had left him, kept the veil on his face. In other words, he was faking everybody out. See, if the veil was there, everybody thought the presence was still on him because of the veil. But Moses wouldn't unveil his face because if he did, then everyone would see that, that the glory indeed had departed. So he says, now, unlike Moses, because Moses is keeping the veil on, because he didn't want anyone to see that the glory was lifting. He said in verse 14, But their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. And so he begins to put this illustration out where he says the Jewish people, the Jewish people, when they look at what's going on in the church, they're veiled. It's veiled to them. They can't see. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Verse 15, 16, he says, Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And he says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And then I love verse 18. But we all, see, now I know Paul was Southern. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, and this is the part that's good, our being. Now, it doesn't say just have been. 
it says being, which is a continuous thing, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So, Paul says when you encounter the Lord, when you encounter Jesus, when you, when you encounter him in this powerful fashion, it says that we're being transformed from glory to glory. So this isn't a one-time deal, is it? Every time you encounter God, something more transforms. Isn't that true? I mean, some of us experienced God powerfully when we were saved and things got transformed. But interestingly, sometimes not everything got transformed. And so what happens is somewhere down the road, and those of you that have walked with God for years now, you can probably testify to this experientially, that there have been moments you've experienced God along the path, and when you've experienced God in those powerful ways, even though there was glory in the original way. I'm telling you, I can still remember that February night in 1978 when God encountered me and saved me. That is indelibly etched in my brain. There was glory. But here's the good news. It's not just glory that has been. It's from glory to glory. To glory. To. And it's just glory. Until the day when we see him face to face. And then we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. But the news is, is that one, sometimes one step or one encounter, and I'm not talking about the program now, I'm talking about encountering God. These encounters with God take us from glory to glory. And my wife uses the illustration of the onion peel. You've all heard how an onion has to be peeled. And that's exactly what happens when we encounter God. We encounter God and he peels things off our life. And man, we feel free, we feel whole, we feel exhilarated, we're excited, we got our passion back, and then you live life for a while, and then all of a sudden you're going, whoa, I'm, I don't know that everything got taken care of. And can I just share this with you? Most of the time it didn't. God usually works with you in as much as he can and want. He never violates the will. I mean, that's just God, and, and he's chosen to do that even out of his sovereignty. I mean, he's going to work with you, and you have to cooperate with him. God initiates, but you must respond. And so as long as you keep responding, he'll keep working. If you, if, if you can't go any deeper or farther at times, he'll, he'll go, okay, we'll go from glory to glory. I just personally believe that's how it works in many people's lives. And so by coming to an encounter, what we call encounter, you, you are saying courageously, I want to be different. Can I just say, I've been to every encounter. Now, in those early days, I didn't get to go to all the ladies' encounters because obviously I'm not a lady. And, of course, we've changed it through the years, so both women and men are with us now on encounter weekends. But I've been to every encounter aside from that. Most of the time, uh, I've taught a number of those lessons I've participated in all the things that are provided. And can I just tell you that, that there has not been an encounter that I have gone to that I have not been changed personally myself. Because you can't encounter God and walk away the same person. You can't say everything happened in 78. Now, I understand the difference between impartation and imputed righteousness. I understand that. But I'm saying God looked at me and I was saved and as saved as I was ever going to be. But God was saving me. All along the way. 
He was delivering me all along the way. So something profound happens when we encounter God. And I want something profound to happen to you. I want a weekend to be set aside where you would even present yourself and simply say, Lord, I want some profound things to happen in my life. God has promised, has he not, wholeness, healing, and victory. But most believers have a difficult time finding that because they have a hard time encountering him. That's why we struggle. You say, why am I always like this? I don't get, why is it like this? Why is it like this? Why is it like this? Now, some of it's discipline. Some, we, some things we have to learn to discipline our flesh. But some things, I believe, in the 21st century is due to the fact that we no longer cultivate an atmosphere or provide an opportunity where people encounter God. God is the transformer. Jesus is the one that changes us. And this is... This is our forum that we do our best to provide an opportunity. Now, some of it will be incumbent upon you as to whether you seize your opportunity. Because you can provide all you want. If you don't want anything, then you, you just attended a weekend. But if something in you wants and desires and hungers, God won't leave you disappointed. What can you expect? What can I expect if I attend? Well... There's going to be an incredibly packed weekend, Friday from 7 to 10, Saturday from approximately 8.30 or 9 in the morning to 8.30 that night. Yes, 12 hours. We feed you. You'll get lunch. You'll get dinner. You'll eat well, all right? Uh, and, and we'll even make it fast-friendly. So uh, not speed fast like if you were fasting, okay? But, but we have a lot of things packed into this time. You're going to receive teaching. You're going to receive prayer. There's going to be ministry moments. We've constructed certain things that simply help you encounter God. Every lesson, every ministry moment, I will assure you, in the last six, seven years, has been thought through, prayed over, and designed carefully. We want you, we desire that you encounter God. And that's why we ask people who are coming that they attend the whole thing. Because every moment really is a stair step. You know, the Bible says that, you know, line upon line, order upon order, precept upon precept. And there really is a, a building that takes place until you get to, to Saturday afternoon and things start happening. You may not think anything's going on Friday. You may come Saturday morning dragging yourself in with your go juice and you're, you're going, oh, Lord, you better come or I'm... I'm going to fall asleep. Hey, let me, let me just share this with you. Something starts to happen when we spend that much time together. And uh, we also ask people to come to the whole thing because, uh, I want to say this uh, nicely, um, if you could be free on your own, you would be by now. So, so I really want to encourage, in fact, we don't encourage, we just require it. This is not a self-designed deliverance moment. Because if you could have shaken away on your own, again, you would have. I, I, I had to go through a pastor's encounter. I went and did a pastor's encounter. So, so we, we, we designed it, and we just ask you to trust us as you go through this, and, and we really feel like it can be a helpful moment. So there's going to be sitting, and you're going to have to listen. There are going to be times of ministry participation as a group. There are going to be alone moments where we literally send you all over the sanctuary by yourself for some time to do some work before the Lord. Uh, there's going to be film clips and illustrations, and, and we separate in the afternoon on Saturday into some gender specific groups because uh, 
you know, I need to talk to the men about some things that are, are men related. And my wife talks to the women about some things that are women related in order to keep you free. How many of you know we live in an incredibly sexually charged society? And we've got, and, and this is the greatest snare currently in our culture. And, and, and we are up front and in people's grill in this area. And, and we're swimming upstream. I understand. I, I got it. I got that people in the era we live in think that as long as they aren't literally having sex with another person, that whatever they do in between there is okay. I'm telling you, the Bible says it's defrauding. The, the Bible, actually, that's, that's what the word sexual immorality means. There's other words for fornication and adultery and these words. But, but our culture doesn't get that, even in the church. And so, and so we're just, we just share about that. I, I may have scared some folks away with that. I, I call it to the men. When I ever get the men together, I always look at the men and say, well, guys, this is, this is the talk your dad should have gave you. This is the father-to-son talk, and I'm your dad today. And, and, it's, and it's, it's not nearly as, well, maybe it is. I don't know. But anyway, um, it, it, it'll set you free. That much I know. All right? Four areas we're going to address. I'm just prepping you. It's good. It's all good. How many of you, by the way, have been to an encounter just out of curiosity? Ask one of these people who have their hand raised, if you want to know, and ask them what they thought of it, and uh, I bet you get a good report. Basically, four areas we're going to address very quickly. Can you read that up there? Yeah, you can read that. We're going to address our personal sins, our consequences, and shutting the doors to access. Unrepentant sin that's not been dealt with leaves open doors for the enemy to uh, use our life as a playground. We'll talk about that and help you shut those doors. We'll talk about the sins of others against us and the wounds and the hurts it has produced. You know, just today, I, I think it's because it's Encounter Week, I was going down the road and I was thinking again of an incident in high school. I graduated high school in 1977. I'm old, Andrea. Getting old. Think about that, 77. 35 years ago, and I'm driving down the road, and I thought of an incident in high school, and I started to get irritated. What's that? You know what that was? That was the Holy Ghost saying, I'm going to free you from that, because it was one of those moments where something happened, and it left a wound, and you know, the onion gets peeled again. Sometimes you wonder how much, how many layers of onion are there, you know, after a while. The third thing is we talk about the sins of the family tree and being set free from things that might not have been our fault, but nonetheless have existed because of generational issues. We'll talk about that. And, of course, we're going to deal a little bit with the occult and, and rebellious strongholds that need breaking as well. And so there's all sorts of areas, and we'll give you... Uh, uh, ministry moments, and, and you will sense God working to set you free in all these areas. Now, what are the expectations? In the few minutes I have left, uh, you're going to be given what we call a contract for change. Um, now, <clears throat> we had asked for $20, and I know some people had mentioned, a couple different folks mentioned that it was financially tight. Hey, it, it, just let me know. Whenever it's financially tight, your freedom isn't based on your finances. Um, although I do think you should sow. Uh, into those things you think are meaningful. But there is a price, and the price is what we call a contract for change. And that is, is we ask people to be here at all the sessions. We want you to be punctual. Um, you, you know me. I've always said this. If you want God to move fast in your life and punctually, you need to sow 
speed and punctuality. What a man soweth, that shall he also reap. So we want you to be punctual. Let God wants to move on time in your life. Uh, bring a teachable spirit. You know, don't be wise in your own eyes, but, but, but listen. And, and uh, you know, all of us go through, I think, an arrogant stage. And, and you know what? When we go through that stage, that's when God pulls out his two-by-four. And he starts hitting us with it until we wake up and we say, you're right, Lord, I need to hear more than talk. So uh, come with a teachable spirit. Also, you are here for you. The reason I say that is because we've had people that have walked with the Lord for decades, and that's really cool, and we know you know a lot. But, but this is not a time for you to help others. This is a time for you to help you. And so we have folks here that will minister and prophesy and lay hands, and they'll counsel, and they will share a vision. But, but we have a way that we do this. People have been trained to do this. And so we just ask those that attend, hey, come on, this is for you. Don't worry about sharing or, or ministering. This isn't about what it is. In fact, if we, if we see it, we'll probably gently try to correct you and say, hey, let's keep the focus on what God is doing in your life. And, and we do that so you can, you can press through. Some people jump so fast into ministry that they never get everything dealt with and worked in their own life. Our ministry is birthed out of, out of what God has done in us, not just out of a gift. Listen to me. I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. But there have been a lot of people that have crashed their lives being very gifted because they never let God work on other areas of their life. So, so come and, and, and have a teachable spirit and just receive and, uh, and, and be pliable. Uh, we will feed you. I already mentioned this. Two meals. We got snacks. Don't worry. We're not going to starve you or do anything like that. Um, we asked if you, you know, I used to ask, don't bring a cell phone, and that's just impossible. So, so you can have a cell phone, but turn your cell phone off and, and return the calls, you know, later on when we take a break, if it's necessary. I know some have children, and, and they're concerned, so we, we want to understand that. But, but, you know, I'll just tell you, Satan and technology are very closely related. I just tell you, man, you, I, I, it, this happens so many times. You'll be in a powerful point on Sunday morning and everybody's locked in and they're hearing what you have to say. And then all of a sudden, that's the devil out there. <laughs> and the, pe- the person's scrambling, you know, they're trying to find a bless their heart, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing what happens with technology. So. Come on, keep that in mind. Hey, Friday, and, and when, you're, when you go home on that Friday night and come back on Saturday morning, I always tell people to be sensitive, you know, to what they do when they go home. You know, don't watch horror flicks and, and uh, you know, defile yourself between Friday and Saturday somehow because we're trying to close some doors in your life, not keep them open. And, again, I know there's convictions and other things, but we'll, we'll work on all that, and, and hopefully uh, you'll sense that that's an important thing to do. And then on Sunday, what we love to do is we love to take testimonies. That's the highlight of every encounter. Now, you don't have to testify. You're not required to testify. But, and in fact, I've had people come and say, I'll never testify. And then after they go through encounter, they'll go, I want to testify. And so you may say, I would never do that. Don't say never. You never know, all right? But we really want everybody to, to be here on that Sunday morning following because you need, if, even if you don't get up and say something, we want you pulling 
uh, for your neighbor who was there and had some great things happen to them. Now, how can you prepare? I'm going to go through this quick. I got three minutes. How can you prepare? There's the list. Seven, what, excuse me, five things. Get spiritually hungry. Are you desperate for freedom? I mean, how desperate are you for God? Or, or, are you just saying, I need, I need a little tweaking? No, God doesn't tweak. He radically transforms. All right? Get spiritually hungry. Number two, desire true transformation. Are you just sick and tired of how you are? I, I think when you get to that place, you're a candidate for a miracle. Number three, pray and fast. If you aren't doing the fast, maybe you'll find some ways to fast between now and the weekend. Jesus said some things only come out by prayer and fasting, and so maybe your freedom is linked to that discipline in your life. Number four, I've mentioned this, be prepared for spiritual attacks and detours. Let me just tell you what happens. It happened today. Maria was in the office today, going to do all the copying for the materials for Encounter Weekend, and all of a sudden, she looks at me and says, Pastor, the copier's doing something wrong. And just about that quick, I turned around and said, Of course, it's Encounter Week. Because that's what happens. If it can go wrong, it will go wrong this week. Why? It's because the enemy is scrambling right now to do everything he can to keep you from Friday and Saturday night. He'll do everything he can. He'll, get, he'll cause kids to be sick. He'll cause cars to shut down. He'll, he'll, do, he'll, he'll have some family member call you on the phone and somehow get you out of being here because you've got to be with them. I have heard and seen it all. It's encounter week. There is a real God and there's a real enemy and these kingdoms are clashing and get ready for attacks and detours. But here's the good news. If you will press through all of the attacks and the detours and the skirmishes and the breakdowns, you said, what'd you do when the copier broke down? I called the technician and he got out here and it was fixed and we just go on. And you know what? If we couldn't have got the copier fixed, we'd just go on. Copier isn't going to slow me down. Come on, don't, don't you let a flat tire. Someone I one time had a flat tire. Don't you let a flat tire slow you down. It's encounter week. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that the enemy sees such God potential in you that he is scrambling everything he's got to keep you away from God moving big in your life. That's, when you get hell moving, you know you've got something going on. Hell doesn't mobilize for just anybody. That's a good way to look at it. I hope that was recorded. That was really good right there. <laughs> Number five, and then you've got to expect that God will move for you. Come with expectation. God will meet you at those places that you bring your expectation. If you come Friday night into this room right here and you say, God, this is, this is my Peniel. This is my Damascus Road. This is my Sinai. This is my place. And you come with that, and God will meet you here. And then I just want to sow some vision. What, what, what are the results? And we're done. I'm going to run through this. I've watched people come out with clear spiritual vision. I've seen people come forth with true and lasting change. I've seen people come out for the first time in their life. They've, they finally have got victory over the enemy's schemes and work in their life. They find true healing to lifetime hurts. A fresh start. Beginning to see who they are in Christ Jesus. Experiencing the power of God and getting a new name. 
A new name. We used to sing an old song, Miss Louise. You love this. There's a new name written down in glory. Now, I know what they think. They think that's just writing down your name. Yeah, well, you could do a solo on that. You and I doing a solo. That'd be... I know they think that's just writing our name down in a book. I, but I'm just telling you, when we come to the Lord, he changes our name. He changes our name. I'm no longer loser. I'm a winner. I'm no longer dumb. I am wise. You're following me. I don't know what, what, maybe some of you grew up and, 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 and you even had family members label you with things. Sometimes even in the church, we, we throw out labels, divorced. Well, all right, you, you're forgiven, you're cleansed, you've repented, you're reconciled. You're not divorced anymore. You're available <laughs> for a godly spouse. Amen. That may not be the name change. I just thought I'd throw that out there. But you will experience the power of God. I will assure you, the power of God will show up. Whenever I come to Encounter Weekend, I always say to myself, come on, Kevin, take a deep breath. Let's get through it. But whenever, whenever we're all said and done, it's like, I'm so glad I didn't miss that. Man, that was incredible. Amen. If you want to be there, there's still time. Maria, are you here? Where is Maria? Yeah, just see Maria right here. If, you wanna, if, you, if you'd still like to come you'd be welcome to do that if you could arrange your schedule. See her. She can give you any information you may need. But let's stand and let's pray.